Hello, everybody. Welcome to RPG Cast episode 396 for the week of September 9th, 2016. I'm Chris Privetier, showing you that we can come back from PAX and still have a show. Anna Marie, my wife, how are you doing? Yeah, that's what I figured. Also joining us, Kelly Ryan. Hi. And Jonathan Stringer. I'm always last. Welcome to RPG Cast episode 396. I'm here with Jonathan Stringer. That's why you're See, last. I'm... You don't reply. I reply. See, I'm the newbie. I should be last. I mean, don't you just do it in alphabetical order? Um, that's how I list them on the on the sheet on the page. Okay. This was a, a false protest. False protest. All right. Uh, interesting things happening right now. Um, um, new WoW expansion. New, new expansion. WoW expansion. So, we going to jump right into what we've been playing? Because yeah, we got a lot to talk well, about. Well, I want to tell people, I'm sorry we didn't get a show out to you from the PAX floor. And, uh, things were a little crazy. Well, they're always crazy, but, uh, yeah, but I still would have liked to have done it. I mean, and this is off. something that I know I said at the show, and so Chris is sick of hearing it, but we are super busy at PAX. More PAX busy, really busy. Yeah. More busy than we are. We're busier at PAX than we are at E3 because there's more RPGs to cover. Yeah, there's a lot of indie RPGs. And, and they go to PAX. some of them are really good. They're all at PAX. All the games are at PAX. So, I mean, I good. think my overall impression of PAX this year is indies have finally managed to capture polish. And no, it, that's just a per game thing, Anna. Yeah, but I mean, I remember um, doing PAX, uh, oh my gosh, like maybe four years ago when I wasn't exhibiting. Mm -hmm. And like all the indie games that I saw, it was like almost none of the games had polish to them. And this year I found that more games, more indie games that I saw had polish. All right. Well, should we talk about what we've been playing or should we talk about what we saw at PAX first? Um, PAX first, then playing. Okay. So do you have the spreadsheet up? Yep. Right, so what did we see? Um, you and I went to go see some Polish games. So I played Wrath oh, of Loki. What's up with the Polish presence? Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. I think that the Polish government is starting to really push um, gaming development in the same way that Canadian that the Canadian government pushed game development. Oh, okay. So you can get money. I like money. Um, and, good. And so we saw Wrath of Loki, which is the first VR hidden object game. Yeah, you played through the entire game. I did. You beat it. I did. It's like a half-hour experience. Well, and the reason it was a half-hour experience is because I'm really good at hidden object games. Oh, okay. It was and your it was your esports hidden object skills. Esports. <laughs> and it's going on the circuit. And MLG hidden object again. MLG. That could be very entertaining. <laughs> uh, it was very entertaining watching her just kind of spin around in a circle and tap the side. She was using a Gear VR, so the controls on the side of the helmet. Um, and she just kept tapping the side, like, boop, boop. It's like she was Cyclops shooting hidden <laughs> objects. It was great. <laughs> I ran into somebody or something at one point, and I almost fell over a chair. You just ran over a chair. That's okay. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure I ran into someone because my arm brushed against somebody. Yeah, but it wasn't that close. Okay. So you were fine. Um, that was amazing. And I think I need to break out the rift and play some, like, more hidden objects games. Or more games period because this is the only hidden object game so that was the first chapter it sounds like they're planning on doing more 
And this was kind of a proof of concept that, hey, hidden object actually works in VR. Mm. So, and then you went over and played um, Soul Blight, which is a roguelike, through and through a roguelike. Because if you die, that's it. There's nothing that carries over. In what? Soul Blight. Oh, Soul Blight. I didn't play that. Yes, you did. did. That was the one where you chose the the buff. So every then every time you chose a buff. every time you move into a new chapter in Soul Blight, you get to choose um, a, a trait. Mm-hmm. And so the traits are stuff like superstitious. Um, you chose crass. And so you had the ability to fart on people. That's right. I, this is the <laughs> farting game. And here's the thing that I love is the things that you do. So you can also be superstitious where you have to run around the level kissing things to this game. This game was up. so early. Yes. Like they had one tile set and it's like it was very repetitive. Yeah. Um, and it's just walk around, open a chest, kill some enemies. Um, try and advantage of your trait and not die. And but, so here was the thing is, you didn't take superstitious, but if you are superstitious and you open a chest and it slaps down on your hand, which mm-hmm. happened to Chris a couple times, that's considered very unlucky. And so it counteracts your your um, kissing of the... Of the charms. Of the charms. Yeah. And so you do have to play to your particular trait. Um, so if you're superstitious, you might open fewer chests in a level than if you were crass because there's no real penalty for you being crass and opening a chest and getting your fingers stomped on. That being said, um, you can eat food in this game. <gasps> and preferably... Genre-defining. Preferably cooked food. But Chris had an advantage being crass because if he ate raw food, if he ate food that made his stomach upset, his Course, farts got more not noxious. crass. Sorry. I am crass. Course. My trait was coarse. Right. I, I'm just, it's been, I'm trying to figure out why does this not sound right. Right. I just figured it out. So yeah, <laughs> he could make his farts noxious by eating raw food. It sounds like the evolution of Rogue Legacy in a way. Uh, maybe. So yeah. They, they have a lot of work to do um, still. <laughs> the, the boss was very pattern based, so it had lights. The boss was impossible. No, you just weren't paying attention. No, so, it was impossible. So there were lights around the edges of the boss, which would tell you what arm would come out and it was what like direction a it would come boss. in. It was a shmup boss, but all I had was a melee weapon. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and so, for example, if the light, if three different sets of lights lit up and they were going um, clockwise, then the blades would come out and spin clockwise. But Chris was panicking and not paying attention, and so he didn't understand the pattern. So I was telling him, run it now, run it now! And he'd wait like three seconds and then run straight into a blade because he was way too late for the timing. Sounds like me trying to dodge the poop in a WoW raid. (laughs) And then you went over and played Space Wars, which had a car. There was like some sort of super swanky car there. Yeah. And every time someone came by, it was like, oh, it's a Bugatti X. And he's like, no, it's a Bugatti Y. (sighs) This guy was like a dentist that was making a video game. And he had money. He had money, like money, like lobster cash. And so, um, yeah, he had this like crazy nice car that he'd painted with his game logo. And he's like, it's better than a booth, babe. Yeah. And um, what was the game about? Um, there was ships and space. And 
I'm trying to remember. This I mean, point. it reminded me. I was in and out because I was running back and forth to a couple places, but it kind of reminded me of XCOM, where there's like this fog of war and people can shoot you out of it, and you have to explore and get everything within your sight. Oh, okay. It was uh, grid based or like hex based, and you're moving around on a space map, and you had a, you had a ship and you're fighting ships because uh, space. And you got to choose. So they don't really have the game done yet. They had like a skirmish mode to demo, and so you got to, you could choose what class of ship. So like in the game, it's meant to like um, it had like uh, what was the progression? So it's it's just you start, and you got like a basic starter ship, and then you know over time you earn money and stuff, and you can upgrade your starter ships and different class ships, and you can have different quality of ships within each class, and then. You know, over time, you'll have tons of money and tons of resources, and you can get into the giant Doom Destroyer type things. Um, whereas you start in like your tiny little cruiser, or not cruiser, little fighter type ships. Um, so that's your progression is you're going up and up ship classes and stuff over time. But eventually, well, forget eventually because they weren't showing it here. Um, you know, there's there's it wasn't money that you use in this game. What was it? Um, it was like. Uh, some concept of like your goodness in the military. I forget what it was, but it wasn't money. It was something like money. And then yeah, there's uh, no money and there's no experience. Right. Yeah. And uh, so whatever you're doing for that, and then you uh, you would go through. Um, it, it, well, actually, we don't know because it wasn't done. But uh, do you you took notes on that? What was the what was the thing on that for progressing uh. through the game? Um, learning better skills and um, getting up to better ships. And I don't know how you f you get to those better ships. I think you have more resources. And, right. Uh, and then so you it's resource-based economy. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you can build new ships. Um, but you have to find a dock to build them in. You have to be able to crew them. So, and there's like a whole bunch of different ways that you can spend all of these skill points that you're accruing. So you can use them to... Um, sort of move up to a new ship. You can use them to train yourself. You can use them to train um, your crew that's in the ship. You can use them to like upgrade parts on your ship. And so it's kind of a push-pull mechanic where it's like you have a finite pool of these skills and they are used on a huge variety of things. And so it's a decision-making process. Right. So anyway, um, what they were showing was just like a skirmish mode. So I picked one of the higher end uh, tiers of ship, and um, and there's we... a risk reward based on how what kind of ship you have too, because the lower end ships are all smaller, so yeah. they move faster and they maneuver faster. Right. Um, the bigger ships take more damage, dish out more damage, but have like minimal maneuverability. And you get more. You, you don't get like rewards for picking on little ships and and stuff to try and keep, right because he hates newbie kills. So he wants like people to fight their class and stop and not harass noobs. Um, so, but what, all they were actually showing was a, a skirmish. So I picked like a tier five ship, and then he put me in a battle with a couple tier three ships, um, so I can he get a sense away. for how it worked without. <laughs> no, I didn't blow them away. It still took me a while, and you know, so I had weapons that certain weapons that only fire behind me and weapons that fire in front of me. So it was a lot about positioning and trying to maneuver myself behind cover where cover in this case is a planet. And there's um, like a preparatory stage where you can decide which side of your 
your ship gets shields and which of your... Oh, yeah. You um, have to allocate power is what it is. Yeah. And so I'm powering up these weapons, choosing not to power these weapons, powering up these shields, not these shields, power up sensors so I can see further out on the map like where my opponents are moving around. So extremely tactical, very micromanagey, totally not a game for me. <laughs> yeah, I... I, I walked away understanding that there was clearly an audience for this, but it was neither of us. Probably right. me. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, what do we see next? Anna. Um, Solitarica. Oh, which you was, love this. Which was a me game. This, this is like Anna's this game This was like someone show. developed a game for me. And you hadn't heard about this. It was I already had, out on iOS. Well, no, apparently. I had heard about it. But when I had first gotten emails about it, it was all the PC release. And I was like, meh, I just don't play PC games outside of WoW and Heroes of the Storm. Okay, I don't play PC games outside of Blizzard games. And so... <laughs> Um, the problem is, is I was like, too bad it's not on mobile because I think it would be a really good suit there. And then they emailed me like two weeks later. It's like, hey, we're going to be launching Solitarica on iOS and Android. Do you want to see it at PAX? And I was like, yeah. And then they stealth launched it on iOS, like Anna, right before Anna, PAX. You've got that completely backwards. You hadn't heard of the game. It was already out on iOS and Android. No, and Chris. PC do you want to see the emails that I sent back and forth? Yeah. Sure, I'll be happy to show them to you after yeah, the show. I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. I'm I pretty sure you're up. wrong, since I'm the one that booked all the PAX meetings! <laughs> so, I'm watching the trailer for this, and it looks like a solitaire mixed with Hearthstone? Or not Hearthstone. It's a solitaire RPG! And so, yeah. there is Emperor stuck, because there's nothing worse than being stuck in solitaire. <laughs> and so, it's a, it's a single... Um, discard pile of solitaire where you have to play a card that's either one number above or one number below and you have to sort of make um runs based off of that so three four five six seven eight nine and then you could go eight seven six and then seven six seven six mm. seven six you know it's just one card above or below it doesn't need to follow any like pattern or order and they've changed the four suits into four colors and those four colors um as you use those cards give you mana and then mana um power spells and then you can use the spells. And so the, the point is to remove all of the cards from the enemy that you're defeating. Uh, so clear their board before you run out of hearts. So the boss doesn't have hit points. You do. The boss's quote-unquote hit points is uh, the amount of cards he has in front of him or her. And so you have to beat all 18 of these people in one run and you can have multiple different decks. So, like, the first deck you get is a warrior deck, and it's based off of um, blue and orange, so attack and defense. I play a paladin deck now that I've unlocked it, which is blue and purple, so defense and wisdom. And so my sort of circle of what I do is I guard myself, and that gives me... Uh, with blue and that gives me wisdom and then I use the wisdom to zap cards off the deck and heal myself. So yeah, I've played that game a lot since they showed it to me at PAX. I basically went immediately back to the hotel room and purchased it. And then we played Thimbleweed Park. There's a game for Chris. <laughs> uh, it's an adventure game. By Ron Gilbert. Yeah, it's a point-and-click adventure game, old-school style, think LucasArts adventures. 
um, stuff that plays in Scum, and uh, it's more aimed at an adult audience maybe than those were, um, though those weren't necessarily aimed at kids, but uh, this has got straight up <laughs> um, crass language and stuff. Um, the, uh, the interface is very much one of those old school adventure games, and to the point where it's like, why do I have to click here? And then to click here, it's like, oh, because that's, so whatever. We talked to Ron Gilbert before playing the game, um, and he told us that he's trying to recapture um, the charm of those old adventure games and trying to figure out what it was that uh, that 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 uh, that may be missing in kind of a newer crop of adventure games that don't have necessarily that same level of charm. Um, and I think part of his experiment was to bring back some of that interface and style of doing things that they did then that um, some of the things that we've, you know, kind of thrown to the side in the current adventure games and kind of see, uh, you know, how those things may or may not contribute to the, to the charm. So I think it's kind of an experiment at the same time to see like, well, what about those things makes it uh, more charming? What about those things don't make it more charming? So we can kind of know going forward, you know, how to get that charm back into this genre. Um, and I don't know, so, so far it seemed all right, don't you think, Anna? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the cool thing that we learned talking with Ron Gilbert, and Chris is a little Star Trek, so it was kind of funny, is there's going to be a regular mode, <clears throat> and then there's also going to be an easy mode, where um, if you are more interested in the story and you, find, you feel like you're not very confident in your puzzle-solving abilities, easy mode will pre-solve some of the puzzles for you. Yeah, so there'll be entire doors that might not be open for you in regular mode that, um, and you have to solve a puzzle for, whereas in easy mode, just just the door's just unlocked, and you're good. You don't have to do that puzzle at all. Um, or they might minimize the number of steps in a puzzle. Yeah, stuff like that. So, uh, It's a cool concept for making it easier. Um, uh, so I'll see how it works out. Yeah, I mean, in the PAX demo... I found all the puzzles were just right for me challenge-wise. But you found it kind of easy. Sure. And then you walked away and you were like, those puzzles were kind of easy. And I was like, really? I really enjoyed them. Hmm. So, and then we went and saw West of Loathing. Oh, that was weird. Isn't that? Okay, so there is this um, browser game called Kingdom of Loathing, and it's been going on for like 15 years or something like that. And so... Um, obviously they can't make a browser game forever and ever. So they're making a full on PC Mac Linux game at this point. And so West of Loathing is kind of like Kingdom of Loathing, but a full blown, um, uh, standalone RPG. And so, um, they have like their very iconic stick character art and they have the same stats that you have in Kingdom of Loathing, which is, um, muscle, moxie, and... I forget the third one, but it's like strength, uh, magic and agility. Mm -hmm. And so you basically pick a class that is either strength focused, um, magic focused or agility focused. And so basically what happened is this Chris and I were playing the game side by side and the guy was watching us make different decisions and being completely fascinated by how completely the two of us were playing. Um, and so it's cool because there is there is a way to optimize the introductory 
um, phase. And so it the game definitely does encourage replayability because you could walk out of the prologue chapter with one follower or four, depending on what order you did certain activities in and whether you performed certain tasks, because there's only a finite amount of the story that's mandatory. And there's a lot of stuff that you can do, but you're not required to do. And so it's cool. Like I decided I wanted to be ruthless. So I found a guy that was sleeping and decided to just kill him in his sleep. And it gave me like four warnings. It's like, are you sure you want to do this? You're really sure you want to do this? You're really, really sure? You were really sure. I was really sure. I said yes every time. But I like better all finding all the horses. I found all the horses too. There was one horse. He'd seen things, man. He'd seen things. He had the crazy eyes. <laughs> I think he had crazy eyes because he takes drugs to deal with the fact that he's seen things. Yeah, yeah. So he, he eats loco weed. He's seen things. Because he's strong. He's strung out. He's totally strung out. Um, and so, yeah. And the in the introductory um, section, you get to choose which of the three horses that you want, and that directly affects the way that you play the rest of the game. So there's a dark horse, there's a ghost horse, and then there's the crazy eyes. Um, and each of them, yeah, totally have different effects to them. Um, and so, yeah, being ruthless. For example, there was a fight that I went to. Um, where Chris had to fight two guys, and I just offed one of them before the fight even started because I'm ruthless. And so my version of that fight was completely different from Chris's. This is true because I that fight, um, one of the, the guys she offed was a sniper. And I found out that in this game, if you ignore certain characters, they will do massive damage to you. So you have to kill them first in battle. Otherwise, you will die. And that's just kind of how this one goes. Yep. So, yeah, he walked into the battle with Snipey and Wimpy, and I just off Snipey before we started and just had to fight Wimpy. Like the guy who likes hamburgers and Popeye? Um, Not that Wimpy? No. Have you even heard of this that This guy wimpy? was really Wimpy. He was really Wimpy. <laughs> um, and, yeah, there's this cool... I'm just sad because I noticed an opportunity, but I noticed it too late. So I learned how to speak Orcish, but I'd already killed the Orc. Hmm. Aww. Poor so, thing. Yeah, I know. And then we went over to Tunnels and Trolls. That was really cool. So Tunnels and Trolls is a D&D, like, OS, like, old school D&D. Like, OG D&D. Um, OG D. OG and D. OG and D. So when D and D first came out, everybody was like, "This is cool," but it is, oh my god, so complicated. And so Tunnels and Trolls is like, we can make a system that's kind of like D and D, but make it not so complicated. And so Tunnels and Trolls is this huge um, system of almost choose your own adventure style um, adventures, or choose your own, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, those choose your own adventure books you read when you were a kid and it was like, go to page 43, mm-hmm. otherwise go to page 23. Mm-hmm. So same idea where it was like, you could go down the left hall or the, uh, so we played Naked Doom, which was the particular Naked adventure Doom. inside of Tunnels and Trolls. And there's like 35, uh, there was like 35 published adventures in Tunnels and Trolls. Naked Doom is just one of them. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, is you've been accused of some crime. You get thrown into this dungeon. If you make it out, you get to live. Otherwise, you die. Um, make it doom. Doom. So you, doom. you get nothing. This is cool, though. Like, it's just right out the bat. Like, start making decisions. What way you want to go. And the it's brutal, though. 
it's one of those where they don't give you clues beforehand. You just find out by doing like, oh, you're dead now. <laughs> you shouldn't have gone that way. So now you go back, you try it all again. And um, I think it's better as a video game than it is as a book because as a book, you're just going to cheat by turning the page back, right? Right. Um, whereas, I used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so we played it on Kindles. Kindle Fires. Kindle yeah. Fire. So it was launching exclusively on Kindle Fire to start, but it was going to move on to other mobile platforms in the future. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I got killed by bats, and then I fell asleep in some mushrooms. That was bad. Um, and then uh, a Balrog. <laughs> I had 24 hit points, and the Balrog hit me for 119. Yep. Yep. So I got smeared into paste. So that was our Friday. That was a good Friday. Yep. So Saturday, you jumped right into Hob. Yeah, we did filming on Saturday. Yes. So a lot of the stuff's going up on the site um, soonish. As trailer, as like uh, video. As what, Anna? Trailers. 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 Right. Okay. You played Hob. Mm-hmm. It's very environmental. It's kind of one of those borderline games that um, we cover because we like going into area games. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It was a lot of yeah, actiony, puzzle solving, um, Zelda ish sort of thing. But yeah, I don't know. Zelda likes are the black hole of RP gamer coverage. Zelda likes, like that's that's a term now. Um, and then there was Vikings, Wolves of Midgard. You played that. Vikings, Wolves of Midgard. Yeah, it was a um, Calypso. Th- that was a Diablo-style game okay. where you controlled um, a Viking lady, and I didn't actually play it because we were filming and the guy wanted to make it look nice, so he played it. Didn't um, he die a bunch? Listen, don't point out your your truths here. Okay. <laughs> This is gaming PR. Okay. It didn't happen. Yeah. But yeah, he did die. He, he died a bunch. Uh, he didn't know where to go. <laughs> he got confused. <laughs> so anyway, he, he is this like shield maiden lady, right? Um, Viking girl, Norse mythology stuff. And she's running around punching things with, with pointy objects, right? And uh, what was the goal? Uh, just uh, get through to the boss and then kill the boss. And there was a lot of elemental things running around elements of ice there were things she had to click on to close portals there were um all that sort of stuff going on and she uh and he went through with that uh and and completed the map and it looked like yeah this this could work as a diablo like this or but it could also be really boring i'm not really sure how it fell yet and i didn't get to play it so um not really sure where that one's gonna fall to be honest um yeah i don't know uh but go go check out video of it uh we will have a big video up make your own decision um i'm just happy to see more diablo like games out there but i I don't know how this one will will really shake up yet so what else we see anna um hand of fate 2 i got to play that hey i played that at e3 so it was cool to have you play it here so this is a game based on cards sort of so this guy is training you to become the big bad right. evil of the world? No, no. The guy in the first game beat the card master dude uh-huh. and became a big bad evil. 
Okay. So your character in the first game said, I've got all the power now. I'm going to be a jerk. And so now in the second game, he's training up a guy to go take down the dude who won the first game. Oh, okay. But hopefully I won't go big and bad. Who knows? Who knows? It depends so if there's going to be a hand there's like three. There's <laughs> like cards on the table that I move between. Mm-hmm. So he um, lays down a bunch of cards and they're face down, right? Right. And then you start in one part and you decide, am I going to go to the card that's connected to me on the south or the east or the west? And then you turn it over and you see what it is. And it's either like an item or a little choose your own adventure scenario or an action scenario where you have to go and like actually kill monsters and stuff. I'm kind of bad at combat. Are you bad at combat? Oh, who knew? Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I eventually died in combat, but not before I got to equip the big cool weapon. So oh, okay. the particular scenario that I was doing is is someone had gifted me this amazing two-handed mace, but I didn't have the fame to wield it. And so I had to go around doing all of these things until I captured enough fame that I could pick up and wield the um mace. Okay. And yeah, that was it. So it looks really cool. It looks like that. And kind you have of game. companions in this one. Uh, yes. There were no companions in the. Well, I guess there were, but there are more companions. I don't know if there were companions. And the problem was, I kept trying to, to attack my companion because he looked the same as some of the bad guys. That I, was <laughs> I hate Oops. it when that happens. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. He's trying to help you, Anna. Um, and then apparently we saw a dungeon league. I don't yeah. remember this game at all. Dungeon league. I remember Dungeon. oh yeah so this was the four player game that we played oh yeah how do we explain this game oh this was oh so there was that a best one. of five yeah so this was like um your couch co-op-y tower folly type of um we're just you know yeah, playing so the, little rounds and trying to kill each other and the, so it was every round had a different theme theme a different goal and it was random like is it going to be who survives the the longest who captures the flag who who goes like pick up an item and run away with it yeah is it going to be simple death match yeah all that stuff yeah yeah that was my favorite like here's a bunch of flags just run around it because my character was like um specced for fast movement so i was like ooh, i can i have a chance at this (laughs) i kept charging at people as a bear so i played freya who was a druid she could turn into a bear and stick down totems to heal people, and I forget what her other ability was. So you you pick different characters, and they have very different abilities, and that affects like your combat and how you respond to other things. And then as you play through the rounds, you can distribute skill points. And um, the better you do in each round, you get more experience, and then you can level up your skills and choose kind of how to spec out your character over the course of this match. So. And that's kind of how that, that But you works. are capped out at level 10, so yeah. even really good players can't get too far ahead of the rest of the gang. Well, I mean, it, it, eventually it's over, and then you start from scratch right. again in your next game, right? So right. It doesn't matter too much that you're capped. So, yeah, that was cool. Um, but I don't know I don't if know I'm going to we'll play, play it. it. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those you need, like, four people on a couch that are all going to get into that. So it's the sort of we'll, thing we only we'll play at Midwest Giant Gaming Bomb Classic it, right. at, in the the ps plus party or the ps nation party or whatever i like the fact that you just called them ps plus i know i'm an idiot all right and then i went over to warlock of firetop mountain oh that was that's out yes that is playable rather and so it's kind of similar to to um tunnels and trolls Mm -hmm. um where it's a choose your own uh, adventure scenario but it's all 3d 
So Tunnels and Trolls is like reading a book. Mm-hmm. And Warlock of Firetop Mountain is having a miniature that actually moves around in a real in a in a fantasy world. So that was cool. And yeah, like it gives you the story as you go along. It's like playing a D&D adventure. Mm-hmm. I think it actually is a D&D adventure. And so this is um who was the guy that did um the other game? <sighs> So there's a guy who Steve wrote, Jackson? Yes. Yeah. And there was someone else. And they did like a whole bunch of this D&D stuff, adventure stuff, like early not, in their career. Not D&D, but yeah. Okay. Role-playing um, adventure are you talking stuff. About Munch- are you talking about Munchkin? The no. mu- it's the Munchkin guy. Steve Jackson. Okay. The Munchkin, Munchkin Ogre, Cars. But we're talking like older. But we're talking like before he did Munchkin, Game he did okay. tabletop adventures. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, so you play through it, and I fell into a pit or something. I did something dumb. Um, but I really enjoyed it. But, and yeah, it's like a tactical game for most of it, right? It is, and yeah. And then some choose-your-own-adventure, or how does that... How do the story parts work is what I didn't understand. Like, um, I see how the battles go, but how does the part between the battles work? You move between places, you make decisions. I mean, you could open a chest, you could not open a chest, you can go left, you can go right. Um, it is very much like a D&D adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not a lot to say. There's been kind of a few of these um, sort of D&D style adventures, tabletop, sorry, bad habit of saying D&D, tabletop style adventures that have been converted into small mini campaigns that are easily digestible. And I really do enjoy playing them, so I'm probably going to pick this up and, and play it some more. Um, and then we jumped over to Datalik, and I played Holy Potatoes. We're in space. All right. So Holy Potatoes, is a weapon a game shop that you played and then stopped playing. Yeah, and I mean, he he was like, "Did you play Holy Potatoes?" And I was sort of awkwardly, like, "Yeah, but and as much I, and I really enjoyed playing it while I played it. The problem was, as soon as I stopped playing it, I stopped caring about it." Mm-hmm. And he was and he like, to know exactly yeah, and, and he was like, he winced a little. He's like, yeah, I've heard that before. So I felt bad telling him that, but it sounds like it's a legit criticism that he's received. It's and not so, really, I don't know that that's much of a criticism. It's kind of like a statement, but I don't know. I feel like there should be more critical thought put into your, your, your process there. Right. And so he was like, you know, we want, we definitely need hooks in Holy Potatoes. We're in space to bring people back to the game. What does that mean, though? Uh, he didn't really clarify that I don't know that what statement. you're looking for, either. Yeah, and that's the problem, is I don't know what I'm looking for. I could not tell you what makes me come back to a game. Okay. Um, and I find so, that fun. at, at uh, these conventions that a lot of the games I play are like that. Like, while I'm playing it, yeah, this is a pretty good game. But after I leave there, I don't really feel impelled to go get it or buy it or just to have it or play it again. I think a lot of games struggle with this. Right, and it's... I mean, and I don't even want to say it's an indie problem because there's lots of AAA games that I've played that it's like, I should go back to that, but I totally haven't. Final Fantasy XIII. Not that I'm naming names You're or anything. You're on the last boss. <laughs> no, I'm Just not. finish it. I'm really not, Chris. No, you are. Seriously? Yeah. I don't think You're I You're at the end. You're an orphan at the end. You are ready. Seriously? Yes. I don't think so. Yes. Anyways, um, Holy Potatoes Were in Space is kind of a cross between Holy Potatoes, a weapon shop, and FTL. Okay. So you have different areas of the ship that you need to crew, 
and it still has sort of like that um, production mechanic that's in Holy Potato as a weapon shop. And that's kind of all that I took away from the demo. And there's also space battles where you pew 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 at people. Nothing wrong with pew pew pews. And much like FTL, you can actually make them. Um, so I shot off this one ship's all of its weapons, and it just um, it paid me in um, starch to leave them alone. Starch. Yes, the S has is a dollar sign. Oh, okay. Starch. Hmm. So yeah, um, it's still pretty early in development. I mean, all they were showing was kind of a, a vertical slice. So we'll see what it's like when the game comes out next year. And then you played The Long Journey Home, which I don't know if that really falls under our coverage, but it kind of sounded like so, it might. Long so Journey Home is kind of like an FTL-like. Um, so you, you know, stuff happens. Your ship's on the other side of the galaxy. You need to try and get back home. Um, and things are just going bad and then worse and then worse. And then hopefully you can make it through with the various upgrades and, and scenarios you run into. And... Um, I don't remember how the combat worked in the ga that game. Um, we recorded it, though, didn't we? So that'll be up that people can see. Maybe they can remember that way, because I'm not going to remember. Um, yeah. The, uh... Oh, but it was a lot of um, discover aliens, try and learn their language. Um, it, was, it was a more in-depth, like... What was that? What was the old game that he had worked on that I thought I had played? Oh, wait. never mind. That that's not relevant to describing this game. He had worked on the Settlers and stuff like that before, but um, I don't think that really influenced this one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to make that sound appealing right now because I can't remember the particulars. You don't remember anything, right, Anna? Did you not stick around for that? Nope. I was talking with their PR crew about what it's like being PR. <laughs> sharing some uh common uh common because i don't get to meet that many people that do social some media common misery outside that you of and... no it was just cool because we were talking about um how we get to deal with different cultures when we deal with different clients yeah well let's see uh, i'm looking at the teaser trailer for long journey home to jar my memory oh this is the one that had the really difficult movement system so it's like orbital mechanics style like um when you when you control your ship you have to like um go in and out of planetary orbits and try not to come in too hot onto a planet so you don't crash land on it and you have to like um slow down your velocity so that you can fall into orbit on a planet and you know you don't want to fight against the gravity well in the long way it's really weird how the movement and stuff works but then you kind of just putts around a system for a while checking out different things orbiting different planets encountering creatures doing interactions with them um some then uh, maybe have a combat scenario or whatever um and then you know you, you're trying to just get home and it's a lot of um I'm trying to remember there must have been combat but i don't remember how it would have worked so i'm hoping i'm not inventing a part of the game that didn't exist uh everything's procedurally generated of course and all that stuff and you know you have to get through uh, quests and choices and moral dilemmas and hopefully make it back home and good luck because it looks really hard so yes it does <laughs> all right what else is uh what else we do anna um that was saturday oh okay so on to sunday 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 <laughs> 
where we had the worst meeting I've ever had. Yeah, that didn't go well. Um, let's not say the company. Um, but we were supposed to see an action RPG and an expansion of an existing game. And 10 minutes after the meeting was supposed to start, someone finally showed up and said that the PR guy and none of the people associated with the games that we were going to be playing would be there because they were hungover. Well, just the PR guy was confirmed hungover. (laughs) No, no. It was more than him. Oh. Yeah. And so I played a little bit of the RPG by myself and Chris played a little bit of the expansion game by himself and... I had a bunch of questions and none of them could be answered because the only person there was a dev was a dev for a game we weren't seeing. And then I switched over to another game because um, we thought it was kind of borderline coverage for us because it fell into the Zelda black hole. And 30 seconds after I sat down with it, they kicked me off of it because they had to take the system over to Twitch to do a demo. So, yeah, that was incredibly shit. Well, we had to wait like half an hour for them to um, pass our appointment start time because, yeah. Because no one was there. Yeah, so that that didn't go well. And so then we went and had lunch. (laughs) What? Oh, yes, the Twitter thing. I saw this on Twitter. Mistakes were made. Here's the thing. (laughs) At every PAX, there are scalpers. And they're kind of douchebags. And so the way that it works in Washington state, as far as we have been told, is that scalpers can buy or sell, but cannot buy and sell. And so basically the four corners around the street corner where you go into the convention center, there are hawkers that are constantly shouting at you. Do you want to sell your pass? Do you need a pass to get in? And they're really annoying because those corners are busy enough as it is that anybody who shouldn't be there, it's just in the road. And they're charging crazy amounts of money for these passes. Like they were going for $100. And so every year, Chris... Uh, you know, we'd pass by these guys. And do you need a badge? No, go home, Chris shouts at them. And so as we were going into Cheesecake Factory, uh, one of these guys kind of sidles up to us, like, you guys need passes? Chris is like, no, go home. And the guy completely loses his mind. Oh, yeah, you want to come to my face and say that? You want to come to my face and say that? Yeah, you're brave behind your TV and controller, but you're not brave out in the real world. And so we're, of course, ignoring him. We walk into Cheesecake Factory, and he's shouting stuff to us through the window. Sounds like he forgot that he wasn't on the internet. I just, it was very weird. It's not a video game out here, man. Yes, he started shouting about how it wasn't a video game in the real world through the window into us at Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, it was weird. And then we went and actually did something that was super interesting. You went and played Divinity. Mm. But you died a lot. Divinity 2 or the... Divinity 2. Divinity, Divinity Original two. Sin 2. Yeah, so that's that's looking good, just like the first one. Yeah, you sucked at it, though. Hmm. Well, you're not wrong. (laughs) You don't want to say anything else? 
Oh, um, about Divinity 2? Yeah. Well, it wasn't a very good demo. So, um, it, it was, uh, the press station, there was me and another press dude, um, kind of playing at the same time and we didn't know each other and we weren't being guided and it was like, well, you can either help each other, you can investigate things separate from each other. And so I decided, well, I like push systems in ways they're not really intended. So I'm going to try and get off this intro island uh, and abandon my uh, my press demo partner and leave him to die. Um, because, you know, these are uh, CRPGs. You're supposed to be able to choose whatever you want to do, right? So I, uh, I went about doing my my quests and it turns out that the character i'd chosen to be was a right jerk um in his life before he was banished to the aisle here um oh and uh by the way the uh the storyline here is that it, it's not the same characters from the first game um in this in this setting um i, I and i don't know how much has happened at, from the first game or not and but uh the uh the pre premise is that the gods are dead, and you need to, and that uh, people don't like people who can control source, which is essentially, um, uh, let's see, magic in this world. Um, so it was, uh, so you you have source powers, so you were banished to this isle to kind of just like suffer and die. Um, so they uh, went ahead and uh, abandoned you there, and it turns out my guy was a jerk anyway. So nobody really liked him, and everybody I would come into contact with would try to kill me, and uh, it doesn't really good do a good job of uh, of allowing me to. Um, um, let's see, what was I gonna say? Yeah, I don't know. Everyone tried to kill me. It was no fun. So anyway, the uh, the. Uh, um, the idea is that I uh, needed to get off the island and then kind of begin the main scenario, and I wasn't able to do that. And then, um, but after a while um, of just playing, going around doing quests, everything's really good. Uh, everything felt really good. Lots of quests, lots of things, lots of characters, well-written characters, well-written interactions. Um, your backstories mattered. Lots of things for you to do um, coming out of your backstories, um, depending on which character kind of archetype you pick. You can build your own character, but if you do that, you don't have like the backstory tie-in for all these little extra flavor quests to come in. But uh, if you don't want any of that you want to build your own character you can do that too all that's supported in this game um the the same sort of thing like they did with the enhanced edition of being able to play kind of co-op but be real separate or be next to each other while you play um however you want to handle it all that's still there um it looked and felt like the first game the elemental stuff in the battle system still matters just like the first game so if oil's on the battlefield you want to set it ablaze um it's a lot of rpg combat where you walk around and and uh, sorry crpg style combat where you're um, it's very tactical and choosing moves um, turn after turn after turn after turn. So all that's still there. Still feels really good. Looks really good. Um, and after a while playing and getting killed and then, oh, I really need your help. All right, I'll come over and help you. And we did that for a while going back and forth. Um, they decided to have some sort of contest in the booth and 800 PAX attenders just showed up and literally crowded us out and we just had to leave. And that was the end of our appointment. It's like, we can't stand here anymore. It was it was overwhelming how many people were in that booth. So that's that was the end of my Divinity 2 appointment. Um, the game looks really good. It wasn't a great demo. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing it more in some other way. And uh, yeah, that's Divinity 2. 
Um, and then we went over and played Outward, which is an open world RPG that's supposed to simulate the life of an adventure, not just the combat of an adventure. And the problem was, is I found it so banal. It was boring. I mean, did Imagine you like that it? Real life is boring. I, I don't remember. What was Outward? Um, the Dark Souls style game. The guy that looked at my name and immediately knew that I was French-Canadian. This isn't helping me. Oh, 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 this was, uh, yeah, it was like co-op Dark Souls. And that's, I mean, the fact that it's co-op Dark Souls is what's interesting about that game. Yeah, Not but, to you, yeah. but um, you did fine. I did, you did okay. fine, and the combat felt easier than a Dark yes, Souls. Yes, no, and that was totally true. If I was going to play a Dark Souls game, I would play this. But, it, like, it's one of those hyper-realism dungeon crawls, like, um... Yeah, um, you can choose to hold a lantern out, or you cannot choose to hold a lantern out, and then you can't see. If you um, have a backpack, you can't dodge, but you can stick your lantern on it. Yeah. And so then you have a hand So it's all trade-offs and stuff like that. And, and so um, those, the little details were really cool, but the overall game experience to me, I'm sorry, was super boring. Hmm. And I think that's because it's not a game for me, mm-hmm. more than I think it's a bad game. So if you like Dark Souls, I would say definitely check this out. It got greenlit on Steam before it even went to PAX, which was funny because a couple of people at PAX were like, we came to PAX to get our game greenlit, but it got greenlit before we went to PAX. So yay. All right. And then we split up. And I went to go see Super Dungeon Bros. Super Dungeon Bros. Bros before foes, man. So that's another one of these couch co-op multiplayer fight thing yeah or and not so, co-op m- multiplayer but um competitive right no it's co-op oh it's co-op oh okay and so um so you're in the world of rock and roll and you play as axolars freddy and ozzy bro okay and this sounds like my jam it's it's kind of hilarious because of course we're doing the filming and I die at one point. And so the, the demo comes over and arrives to me. I'm like, thanks for helping a bro out, man. And so, yeah, um, you can play as one of the four characters. You start out with like a sword and a bow and arrow. And you can unlock up to 16 weapons in total. Um, there's like weekly challenges that you could jump into. There are bro attacks. And so I set off my bro attack and it was a bro NATO and so I picked up the other guy who was playing with me and like we whipped around in this massive tornado and just killed everything in sight. Um, and the soundtrack was really cool. It was rockin'. And so, yeah, this game is just hilariously fun and it's all procedurally generated. So kind of no two dungeons alike. Um, so there's cross play sort of. And so it's like um, the Xbox One version and the Windows version are cross-play. And the PS4 version and the Steam version are cross-play. And it's both couch and co-op multiplayer. Or couch and online multiplayer. Um, and there's also a single-player campaign, which I'm pretty sure he described as brotastic. So the booth guys were in character? Yeah, he totally was. It was great. <laughs> I think he was he was actually the community manager for the game, so we totally bonded. 
And yeah, um, the other cool thing is, is um, it kind of has like a Zelda Four Swords vibe. So you can like pick up each other and throw them. And that actually is like required to proceed in some areas. Um, you can pick them up. You can pick up your bros and throw them at enemies to do like massive damage. Um, and yeah, it's just, it was really fun. It was super ridiculous. It was like crazy colors all over the place. Yeah, I, I really dug it. I was a bro. Bro Anna. Yep. Bro. Bra. 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 It was rocking. What was I doing? You were playing Torment, Tides of Numenera. Oh, that was really good. Um, so Torment, Tides of Numenera. Um, that is a... Uh, let's see. The uh, that's a CRPG. That's the Planscape. Yeah, that's the Planscape sequel, right? That's right. And um, well, no, it's theoretical, uh, spiritual sequel, sort of. Yeah. Uh, it's the same style of game, but in a totally different world. Yeah. So Numenera is like a whole world by itself. Numenera is a uh, it's a pen and paper setting. Yes. Uh, by Monty Cook Games, and it was kickstarted. It's really good. I played with my role playing group. Um, the premise of Numenera is it's Earth one billion years in the future or whatever. And so um, it is called the Ninth Age because nine civilizations, just like ours, have risen and fallen. Um, this is the ninth one. Um, and so between now and then, um, there, the world is littered with like artifacts of high technology from these various civilizations that came before. And your civilization isn't really as as advanced as any of them were yet. And so all these high pieces of technology that are from lost ages that can never be understood by your next ages, um, they all basically work like magic because they're sufficiently advanced technology, so it seems like magic. So you find those little things, they call them ciphers, and that's kind of like how, um, you know, kind of magic things work in, in, in that setting. And additionally, you can have some people who kind of manipulate ma nano machines to do essentially magic stuff, but it's actually with nano machines and whatever. So you have like this fantasy setting that's set in the future in a sci-fi sort of way, um, and it allows you to just kind of have anything happen that you want to have happen because you always say some alien race like um, two million years ago did x and they left this space station behind and you found a teleporter to the space station or you can say that oh these teleportion you know this ancient bug race had a portal over here and you could go to this primordial bug planet you know you can have whatever you want in this setting so in torment um you are a cast off shell of the changing god and um you kind of have to figure out what that means um it allows you to very much choose whatever you want your character to be in the character creation. Like, oh, I'm. It, they give you kind of choose your own adventure prompts as you're as you're doing the the intro character scenario, which we played through. Um, it's like, oh, in this scenario, you could choose to help this man, or you can fix the machine yourself, or you can you can heal him. And based on your choice, it kind of builds your character um, towards like uh, you know different archetypes. Um, so you get through all that, and then you meet uh, some companions, and uh, El Galay or something like that, and uh, Caliste. Um, and I don't remember the dude so much because Caliste was super interesting. So the idea of Caliste uh, as, uh, as a companion is that she um, has done some sort of weird work with uh, quantum mechanics and has found, um, has linked, uh, has 
um, kind of uh, open the portal between her and alternate versions of hers in different realities where different choices are made. So she's kind of found herself in the various myriad of possibilities of existence, and they're all linked, and they, they kind of help each other. And so it's her and her quantum sisters, as they put it. And so y- y- you kind of see, like, these outlines of other Callistas superimposed on her. And she's, like, really smart and stuff because she's, like, this collaborative being of multiple people throughout um, an infinite realm of possibilities. So I just love that character design so much. Um, and somebody's typing an email to somebody. Um, I, what? Hi. Are we... Not me. Am I buying some tickets? Is that Jonathan? Who's typing? Not me. Oh, all of a sudden he went quiet. <laughs> okay, that was weird. It's like, I, I, it's like uh, someone's doing data entry. It's like, uh, send me a check. Um, all right, so anyway. I thought I was muted. Oh, <laughs> it's all right. So uh, anyway, so you get through the, uh, the intro sequence and... Your character has got like strange regenerative powers. You're this cast off shell of a changing god. You have to kind of figure out what you are and 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 what's going on. And like, um, the quickly you realize that you were kind of created in in sort of a as sort of a, a last ditch effort to stop this thing called the sorrow, which is like this thing that's trying to consume everything or something and. You know, it's how are you going to deal with that? And that's your main quest. And then from the get-go, you're just littered. You're dumped in a town with tons of dialogue options, tons of possibilities. Like, should you, you just, you could go and start going down the rabbit hole of a billion side quests. And they're all really well written. And everything's like um, voiced and stuff. And it's just, man, it felt good. Um, and it felt, it, it, it felt both undone and polished at the same time. <laughs> which is a weird feeling in a game, but it leaves you feeling good, like, oh, these guys know what they're doing. Um, there's like a million lines of dialogue in that game. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a long experience. But if you're looking for that Baldur's Gate-style, Planescape Torment-style CRPG thing, which obviously is a much more flooded market than it was just a few years ago, um, this looks like it's going to be a real good one. So uh, if, you were, if you enjoyed Pillars and you're looking for more and even more hardcore, even more side quests and stuff, I think they got you covered here. Um, this, is, uh, this is on Early Access, and uh, I, I know because I just downloaded my Early Access. I backed this game. So disclaimer, I backed this game. Um, the, uh, I downloaded my Early Access build. It was the same thing I was playing at the, at the appointment. So... Um, if you've done that, you can you can experience this now and kind of see how it's shaping up. And there's tons of choices you get to make, right, through the first intro thing. So you can actually go and play this intro experience, get a taste for what they're doing, get excited for it, and then not feel like, you know, you've, you've got to hold off on finishing the game because you can play it again later and have a totally different experience in the intro um, kind of setting and campaign because there's just so many different things to do. So Planescape Torment, really good demo. Um, really liked it. Um, what else, Anna? Um, let's see here. Then you went to Acquisitions Inc. Yeah, uh, that was just a, a session. You can probably watch that on on Twitch or something. So okay, I, I went to see Potions: A Curious Tale. What was curious about it? Um, it was kind of like a Tellier, mm-hmm. but very indie. 
I don't know how else to describe it. So you're a girl that finds out that she can make potions, but she can't fight. And so you have a you have a cauldron, you brew potions, you get quests to go out and undertake, like finding someone's kid. Um, and since you can't fight, you have to use offensive potions or defensive potions or control potions or healing potions. Um, there's friendly fire. So I actually like had a spider chase me until I ran into some mushroom bad guys. And then I had the spider spit on the mushrooms and that killed them. Um, yeah, it's just, it felt very early, even though it's coming out in like a few months. It's mm -hmm. an indie JRPG. I don't know how to describe them well. <laughs> uh, you have a cat. Yeah. And you build potions. Yeah, and I had a broom so I could fly over stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we went over to Rogue Wizards. Rogue Wizards. Yeah, that looks so good. So you back this. Yeah, I did back that. Disclaimer. So. Um, and it was cool. It was like... Um, it was all bright and colorful and fun, and it, it had is, town okay. building mechanics. And it is a roguelike with town building mechanics. Um, it is, you know, it is a it, rogue light. Yeah, rogue light light. It, it's the sort of thing where you know you're, you've got your tile based turn based combat, but everything else is like relaxed and easy off the roguelike format formula. And so if you die, that, you go back to town. Yeah, you you maintain progress and experience, though. and you can keep building up your town and get stronger and 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 get more skills and all that sort of thing. And you find gear, you get loot, so you find equipment and you keep that equipment, and so you get stronger. Um, I mean, it to me, it kind of smacks as torchlight on a grid yeah and i really enjoyed it i did not expect to enjoy that game yeah it, it's shaping up real nice yeah. um and then we kind of ran around and did a bunch of little stuff that i'm not remembering off the top of my head um and then you went and saw clank oh right we went and saw masquerada and secret legend so masquerada is how do I explain Masquerada? It's like Baldur's Gate-ish type combat. Yes. Yes. So the, they said uh, Baldur's RPG. Gate and Dragon Age, but easier, less complicated than both of those. Yeah. Uh, he said MOBAs and the skill progressions in MOBAs um, were more were part of the influence as well. Right. So a lot of cooldown based skills. And so basically there's combat going on all around you and everybody has an area somewhere on their like little circle around them that they're most offended. And so you have to try to circle around to get to where they're least offended and attack them. Um, you have abilities on like one, two, three, and four that are like combat abilities. Um, and the cool thing that I like is you can actually press the space bar and just pause, pause everything. Me, everything. You, everything. And me, yeah. everything. Got it. Um, <laughs> and you can like, okay, where's everybody on the battlefield? How am I positioned? What attacks make sense here? What attacks are going to move me into range? What attacks might move me out of range? And so you have up to four people in your party. The other three are just automatically controlled. You control a, a singular character. And so what we play through is um, the pre- I never remember the right word. <laughs> but it's the prelude? Prelude. Thank yeah. you. You've been having trouble with that prelude word the entire weekend. I know. I think it's because you found that one guy who spoke French, and you spoke like three seconds of French, and it's destroyed your English skills ever since. 
So yeah, we played through the Prelude, which is set five years before the main game, where there's this huge uprising. A revolution. In Masquerada, um, you can't... Only people who wear masks can use magic. But the the art of making masks has been lost, or it can't be done anymore. So So they're a limited resource. So they're very expensive. Only the rich can get them. Well, and here's the other thing And when you die wearing a mask, the mask disintegrates. And so there's this, like, shrinking pool of resources. Only the very rich can have them. And so basically it created this horribly divided society of masks and not masks, the haves Mm -hmm. and the have-nots. And so the non-masks basically rose up in revolt and stole a bunch of masks. And so the problem is, is, of course, the revolution gets quashed. And then five years uh, later, back in the present, you are playing the brother of the guy who's kicked off the revolution and the girl who killed him. Because the two of you are sort of like the law of the land and so there are seven people that have the ability that are almost like detective judge and executioner all in one and so they go out and investigate crimes and decide what they're going to do about it and there's only seven so it's a very privileged position um but obviously society doesn't necessarily appreciate these people um, the haves don't like them. The have-nots don't like them. And so they're kind of in this horrible position where it's like they have this influence of the revolt behind them um, for both of, both the guy and the girl. And it's like they go out to solve this murder and it kind of spirals into this massive story. And so it sounded really cool. Um, and their big kind of point of pride is that the game is done completely in Singapore. Yeah, uh, except for like the voice acting. Yeah, so the a voice acting that you couldn't do there. But, right, so the voice yeah. acting and like their North American PR. Like all the PR. development and the management of it, it's all in Singapore, and they're very proud of that. And it was really cool to hear him talk about that and and how nice it is to, to you know have you know have like a completely native effort on their part to do stuff. It's like that's really cool. Um, and so the cool thing is, is the guy who voiced the main character in Masquerada is Matt Mercer. Ha, it's it's high noon. noon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's gonna be cool. And they actually had him do it's high noon in like the the voice for the main character. Yeah. Apparently, it's an Easter egg <laughs> in the game. Yeah. So and then we ran over to Secret Legend, which is not its official title. It's a work in progress title. And so this is another black hole of Zelda likes. And so the black hole of Zelda likes. <laughs> that's going to be our podcast title. Isn't I it? think that's a good pilot. Yeah. <laughs> and so you walk into this game with nothing. And so the idea is, is the only thing that the demoers tell you is this is a game cartridge they found in their grandmother's attic. Yeah. And so you're a little fox. You're a little fox. You're a little fox. And it's so cute. cute. Yeah. Um, and so it is. It's honestly a Zelda game. Um, and the idea is is that they wanted to make sort of a Zelda esque game, so you get weapons, you get a. You, I I had a stick for a long time. I had to go find the sword, and I found the sword, and I was very excited. And so, the only required item in the game is the sword. So much like Zelda dungeons, there are items that you can pick up that make um, that trivialize sort of what the dungeon requires. 
Um, but unlike Zelda games, where those items are mandatory to continue to proceed, they are not mandatory in Secret Legend. So you could get a bow that helps you shoot stuff far away, but you never actually need it. It just makes life easier. And so they're this kind of... Sorry. Sorry, is the fox anthropomorphic or is yes. it just a little... No, no, okay. it's anthropomorphic. So he walks on two okay. legs and he's got like arms that he slacks up. He's in. Well in the wearing a Zelda tunic. He is wearing that. a Zelda tunic yeah. and little pants. Yeah. And there's ladders to move up and down. So there's also... Um, your your abilities are even things like dodging and swinging your sword are part of an exhaustion bar. So you have a little hit points bar and a little um, action bar side by side on the left hand side. And as you dodge or swing your sword um, or use an item, it it sort of drains. And if it drains completely, um, you slow down significantly. You start sweating profusely. You can't do anything for two or three seconds. And so it's actually better to only take your bar down to about three quarters and then let it refill a little bit. And sort of it's a it's a management mechanic that's not really seen in a lot of other games like this. And so eventually I got killed. But even dying, I was really cute. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, yeah, you went over and played Clank. Dino. Clank. So that was uh that's a Every board time game. You, yeah. I keep thinking that it's like a Ratchet and Clank spit off. No. No, it's uh it's a board it's a uh, tabletop board game. So it's like Dominion. Um so it's a deck oh, building okay. game where you you know every turn you're buying cards and kind of shaping up how your your deck's going to be. Um but it also has a board and you're progress you have to choose to spend movement in addition to like just buying cards every turn. Um, and you are progressing down through a dungeon and picking up artifacts. And you are rogue, and your goal is to get down near the bottom of the dungeon, pick up some artifact of great value, and then escape out of the dungeon before the dragon wakes up and kills you all. And so every turn, um, when you're doing stuff, it makes noise. and um, It goes clank. Yeah, and then certain cards get turned over, and it's like the dragon attacks. And how the dragon does damage to you is based on how much noise you made. So the more noise you make... Um, and you can get cards that take away noise that you make or prevent you from making noise. And so it's all managing the clanky noise um, as well as getting through the dungeon and then trying to get out quickly. And if you do all that, um, you win the game because you have the most victory points because you got lots of items and lots of gold and stuff. And if you don't do that, you don't win the game, but it's okay because it's really fun and you want to play it again. Um, so that's Clank and just a cool little um, deck building game. I assume it was kickstarted. I think it was kickstarted. Um, it'll be on sale on Amazon soon, and that's all for Clank. No ratchet. Sorry. Uh, I think that was everything that we saw. We had Mistiana and Noodle that were running around doing stuff, um, but they weren't available to do. Uh, whew, that was a lot. Yep. Alright. Now what have you been playing, Anna? <laughs> um, Solitarica. Because like I said, I went you got back to the hotel and immediately that. bought it. So the farthest I've gotten is 16 out of 18. Okay. And so the idea is, is oh, that's what I forgot to mention. So when you die, you have to start over because your heart is broken. Hmm. Oh. Um, but when you finish a run, you get gems based on how well that run went. And then you use those gems to, oh, I didn't know Noodle was here. Um <laughs> Yeah, so you use these gems to improve the decks that you're using or unlock new decks. Um, the items that you buy during the run don't um, move over, but like I said, you improve the cards in your deck, you improve the number of items that you can hold, 
Um, and so you kind of get better and better, not only through experience, but through improving your deck. And you kind of, hopefully one day I will, um, be good I will, at the game. I will. No, you're, you're already quite good at the game. I am. And then well, they handed you a freaking scenario in that, in that, uh, demo that they expected you to lose. Yeah. And, and I you won beat it. And you're like, oh yeah. All right. <laughs> they were like, this is level 15. We, we should start you from the very start. And I'm like, no, no, let me try. I mean, worst case scenario, I die. Right. Yeah. And I totally beat it. Yeah. No problem. Yep. Um, and then uh, we've all been playing World of Warcraft, so let's save that for last. Um, yep. Ace Attorney um, 6 came out, and I'm Spirit of Justice. And so I finished the first case this morning before the podcast started. It's so good. I am really enjoying and it. And I hear it gets nothing but better, especially by the last case. Sweet. It's like and totally so off the rails. It looks like they're, you're kind of going to be divided between um, Phoenix, who's in a foreign land where there are no defense attorneys, um, and... Uh, Apollo and Athena. Athena, and they're going to be back in um, not Tokyo, California. Back in not Tokyo, uh huh. <laughs> they're we're, in we're vague. The Cali- land of hamburgers. Yeah, the land. Eat your hamburger, Phoenix. Yeah. Or so eat your hamburger, Apollo. So yeah, vague California. I think it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I started the second case and I'm back with Athena and Apollo and Trucy in the, I don't want to say the real world because that's not the right way to say it, but you know what I mean. So yeah, um, beyond WoW, that's what I've been playing. But yeah, like I said, let's keep WoW for last. Okay. So what have you been playing, Chris? I've been playing, I don't remember. What have I been playing? Uh, oh, I, uh, I, I, uh, it was a busy week. Yep. I'm um, getting back into the swing of things. Um, but I had some time to sit down last night and try out some indie games. So I tried out Sword and Board, um, which is a, a little indie game where, you know, you are a kid whose game console has gone missing and there's a ransom note and it's a leads you to the backyard or something. And so you have to you pick up. And so, you you know, the the idea is the kid is this is all happening in his imagination mostly. Um, so he gets like a cardboard sword and you know, shield and, and heads out in the backyard and starts fighting enemies and stuff. So cute premise. Um, it's real early. So I just kind of whacked a few en- enemies in that and uh, said, okay, that looks like it could shape into something. And then there was a memorial in the backyard dedicated to uh, the developer's mother who died from cancer. And is like, okay, that's enough of this that I can handle tonight. Uh, <laughs> and we like... I don't know why, but you turned on the TV before we sat down to do some gaming last night. And it was like... This stand show. up to cancer thing yeah it was it was good but horribly depressing yeah yeah so um let's see the um let's see the other stuff i tried out was star mazer dsp which is a voice acted sh- side scrolling shoot 'em up and it's really good and it's animated really well it's all pixel art and it's really cool and and you can kind of like spend your score to buy credits to keep playing and make progress through the game and if you're really bad at it like I was um, and it's got good music and I just everybody should go check out Star Mazer DSP you should also check out Star Mazer but that's not out yet um, that's looking like it's going to be a cool little shmup slash adventure game. Yes, they're the same game somehow. Um, this is just a shmup game. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool. 
um, recommending that from like very little time of playing it. So, but that's all I can all I can say for that. Because the rest of my night was filled with Halcyon Six Starbase Command, and oh my gosh, Halcyon Six Starbase Command, or Starbase Commander? Is it Starbase Commander? It's really good. Oh my god, it's like Anna. You said um, you you read a description that combi- said it was like uh, FTL X- and XCOM had a baby, and then added RPG elements. It added RPG elements and turned down the difficulty a little bit. Yes, because it's extremely fun and addictive, and it's like it's very much like oh, one more turn, you know. Oh well, I how about I go over and kill these pirate guys and then spend the resources I got from that. Oh, now I've got another, I've got another crew member. How about I set him to work clearing out this room in my base? Okay, so what? Oh, that room opened up. How about I build this, and then in a few turns I'll be able to build um, a reactor, and then I'll have more resources coming in every turn. Okay, and then over in this room I'm going to build a starbase command or a starbase manufacturer where I can build more starships. And then, uh, okay, so while that's going on, oh no, the aliens are attacking one of my bases that supply with all my dark matter. I better go defend that base while that's going on. And oh no, I need another fleet over here to deal with these space pirates. And so you're managing all these things and the combat's turn base and it's, it's very cool. Like, um, so the three classes, so you have classes of officers, you have tactical, um, science and engineering and the engineers are your tanks, the science are your healers and the, the tactical are your rogues. Um, and so every, and then the combat system's very status effect oriented. So you affect status effects with a lot of things that you're doing. Um, but at, at the same time, um, other attacks will take away those status effects. So you will use this attack. The status effect will disappear in the enemy, but you'll do a bunch of bonus damage because you're taking advantage of the fact that they're in that status. So it's a lot of management of like, okay, this guy's going first. I, my characters don't need to be healed. I'm going to lay down these stat effects on these characters. Then my rogue character is going to do all this stuff that's going to do massive damage on, on the on the enemies. And then this other character is going to lay down another set of status effects that my medical officer can take advantage of on the enemies. And it's, it's all that sort of stuff going on in the combat. And then you have a different set of abilities in combat for when you're on foot, which is while you're clearing out stuff in your base or landing on a planet. And then you have ships that you can buy and level up and you have bases that you can improve and resources that you need to collect aliens to negotiate with treaties to kind of get get going on and then you're all and then you're going to just you just take over the galaxy essentially not take over the galaxy you're kind of fighting back like earth has gotten wiped out by an alien race and you're kind of the last bastion of human hope in the star base and you got to build it up and get really big and deal with the aliens and protect the the earth and the humans and and all this stuff's going on and it's really cool and everyone should go check it out and Halcyon 6 Starbase Command oh my gosh go check it out i can't recommend that enough all right uh, uh, uh who's next <laughs> kelly um, not too much aside from WoW. I've played a little bit more Seventh Dragon. Um, the problem is that I've been I play uh, my DS usually before I go to bed at night, and I've been so tired lately that I've just been crawling right into bed. So I haven't gotten made much progress at all. And truth be told, when Dragon Quest Seven comes out in a couple of weeks, that's probably going to get put aside because I loved me some Dragon Quest, and I've wanted that version of Dragon Quest Seven since it was announced like way back right when the before I get to Dragon Quest Seven, that's gonna be hard. Say what? I need to finish Ace Attorney before Dragon Quest Seven comes out and that's gonna be hard. But um yeah, and plus seventh I don't know, Seventh Dragon is still good, but it's also kinda getting on my nerves. And this is gonna sound stupid, but there's so many dragons to kill. 
There is. So many dragons. No, and I know exactly where you are in the game if you say that. Because there is a point yeah. where it's like, oh my god, why are there so many dragons? <laughs> Do you it, not like killing like, the dragons? Isn't that the no, point? I like, it is, I like killing but there's like a point really about mean. halfway to three quarters of the way through the game where you basically have to do a whole bunch of quests in a row where you're only killing one or two dragons and they're super spread out. Uh. And what's annoying is that, you know, these dragons are just just powerful enough that they're going to deplete your resources. But for me, they're easy enough that I can curb stomp them. So it's like I've got to beat a dragon and if I don't get a level up that heals me i've got to trek all either use crap to heal myself or trek all the way back to the save point and there's also random encounters too so i've either got to deal with the random encounters or do the um optical camouflage option or item that turns them off um have you been doing all the side quests yes okay have you gotten the ability to avoid encounters yet not yet okay that is coming there has Okay, because there haven't been a whole lot of side quests. Because after the last time we talked, I went and I did all of them, and I keep checking the counter, and nothing's come up yet. Okay, you may need to progress the main story further. Okay, kill more dragons, that, Kelly. Just what you wanted to yes. do. Yes, <laughs> yes. But um, at least the nice thing about Seventh Dragon is that when I put it aside for Dragon Quest, it'll be one of those ones that I could easily pick back up again because. I mean, you've got a navigation system that tells you where you need to go, so it's not like I'm going to be yes. like, well, where the, Isn't that nice? where the hell was I? Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. But I am dying to play Dragon Quest Seven and, and um, Shimagami Tensei Four. Oh, Apocalypse? Yeah. Bear in mind that that's that a sequel. Up... That's not a remake. No, I've, I've played uh, the first one. Okay. But are you, um, are you approving her request to play the game, Anna? No, it's just there are people that don't understand that it's a, that it's sequel. a sequel. It's not a remake well, you could because it has it. some of the same characters. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I'm probably going to save uh, Shin Megami Tensei 4 for when I drive to Colorado in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, um, just Seventh Dragon and WoW for me. All right, Jonathan, what have you been playing that isn't WoW? He's muted. Well, I played BF1, um, Battlefield 1 beta. Okay. That's not really RPG, but uh, played that. The multiplayer is just basically one map, the two different modes. And uh, I mean, if you like Battlefield games, it's good in that regard. The engine's solid. The graphics are amazing, uh, especially on a, on a pretty good PC. Um, some people, there's a little bit of some people saying, hey, it's World War One weaponry. It's boring. But I think it's unique and different, so I'm having fun. Have I don't you flown a go... blimp yet? No. Oh. And it, 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 they have some biplanes and stuff in the, in the, in the beta demo, but no, there was no blimps. Uh, the tanks are obviously over, or OP. Uh, they're hard to kill sometimes. You can, you can really rack up a lot of kills in the tanks. and They have this uh, um, train mechanic where this uh, artillery train comes out. If you're getting your your sides getting their butt kicked, which seems kind of, I didn't like it. it seems kind of cheesy. And uh, but other than that, uh, we had some fun playing it. Um, I played a good bit of Grim Dawn, uh, multiplayer and and solo. 
and it's a Diablo-esque game. I think some of the creators may have been part of Diablo at one point or another, but I've played it at a couple of the PAX South and PAX East, I believe. I know I played it at PAX East. I can't remember if it was at PAX South or not. And I'd always enjoyed uh, enjoyed it. I think I interviewed him or talked to him for the site a couple of years ago. And yeah, that thing's been kicking around for a while. Yeah. yeah, they finally fully released it earlier this year as an out of early access, so it's a, a final build and it's a it's a well polished Diablo S game. I like the uh, environment and the the story and let's um, say story of the like the world. I guess is really cool. It's just post apocalyptic. Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of messed up and and you actually kind of make quest decisions and you can piss certain NPCs off and they won't give you quests. I'm like games like Diablo and stuff where you just kind of go through one quest to the next to the next and it's a set uh, set story so there is a little bit of you can pick this or this or not do this quest or not so uh, that makes it a little a little interesting I I kind of ended up abandoning it though now that, that WoW came out so not, a, not abandoning forever just temporarily I guess but other than that it's pretty, basically all I've been playing oh well New Madden came out, so I started my, my franchise in that, but no one wants to hear about that. So, <laughs> Is there anything interesting about that? About Madden? Yeah. I find lots of things interesting. I just don't think the listeners well, to the like, podcast will. That's new from last year? <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, for the, the franchise mechanic, yes. They added things like the practice squad. Um, they've added uh, better progression and regression systems. Uh, a facelift over how it works. The draft classes are editable now. The players are more fully editable. So we're adding some of the real-life college players into our next year's draft class. So that, that's pretty fun and exciting for the group and uh, things like that. But, I mean, for an outsider looking in, it doesn't seem like anything. For someone that's been engrossed in it, and it, these are cool additions and, and changes. So it's kind of a perspective thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Anna, where'd you go? Oh, she disappeared. Because it's time to talk about WoW, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I haven't played much WoW because I've been busy with packs and stuff. Anna's played a ton of it. Kelly, you've been playing a bunch, right? Yeah, I just dinged 110 Thursday. Oh, congrats. And there's yes, still so uh, much more for you to do, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, it's the exact freaking opposite of dinging 100 and Draenor because it, 100 and Draenor was pretty much okay, what do, what do I do now? Oh, go, gotta go kill a million mobs to grind reputation. Great. This is like, okay, I gotta unlock world quests and I gotta work on professions and I've gotta do my class order hall stuff and it, I just I'm overwhelmed and that's just on one character. I mean, I I want to do the artifact class on my other characters just because the, the story has just been so interesting. But it's like, do I focus on my main right now or do I do other story stuff? Yeah. So one of the questions I have, and I don't know that you can answer it yet. Um, I kind of want to get a sense for, um, is there a easing of the process of leveling up and, and progressing your alts that you unlock by progressing your main character further? Or is it no. you kind of do all of it for everyone? Okay. No, but the further along you get from the start of the game, yeah, the launch, and I think they do some kind of thing where they check how far away your character progress is from others. 
that they start giving you bumps and increases of uh, artifact power. Oh, cool. So, Alright. You'd be able to level up your artifacts quicker than you do at launch. Nice. Is what I'm reading. So, um, I my main is a Beastmaster Hunter. And um I, I was really appreciative of the fact that my artifact for uh Beast Mastery took me into Uldawar and had me doing the mem or running around with Memron. Really? I don't know how I don't know how much old Dwar stuff did back no, in I remember the day. Memoron. Yeah. 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 And um, he has you press the shiny big red shiny button that you're not supposed to press. Which was I uh -oh. thought was kind of an amusing little nod. Yes. Don't press the button. <laughs> and I mean I'm I'm really digging the artifact quest. I'm really digging powering up my artifact weapon. It's kind of I kind of like that it's a little bit of a throwback to their original talent tree. Um, what else? Well, basically, I'm loving in this is the new talent tree to one ten. Yeah, more or less. And oh, I'm they're loving actual talent talents, honor yeah. talents, right? No. Oh, yeah, but that's only for PvP. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, yes. well, forget those. And things. you only level those up by PvP or doing the PvP zone world quests. Yeah. Which yeah. is PvE slash PvP. And I don't PvP, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm loving the story in this one so far. I've had so much fun. It, it seems like the charm is back. It does seem rather well written. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the little Easter eggs are back too. Um, in High Mountain, there is a very, very blatant Undertale reference that had me in stitches. Oh, good. And you get an achievement for it, too. You get a mini pet. I should actually play Undertale so I can understand it. Oh. Uh, yeah. And then play it again so I can... Hey, Chris, it's also it. a, a Suicune 2 reference. Oh. Oh, where? I'll have to get on top of Suicune 2, then. <laughs> Great. Are, are you serious? Are you just giving him crap? Just giving him crap. Okay, good. She was about to go farm the entire game yeah. looking for that yeah. reference. Well, yeah. You better be careful what you say. And <sighs> and I need to get my engineering up so that I can learn how to tame the cano beast so that I can go get um, Treble and Rush. Because there's mechano wolves that are named Treble and Rush. Aren't those Mega Man references? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Good. I got one. I understand that reference. I, 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 I got a reference. I feel so proud. <sighs> Anna, you need to get over here and talk to us about your wowing. She's walking back into the room. Well, now. I'm. I got my. Oh yeah. DK one ten last week sometime. Oh, you're at one ten as well. Yeah, I've been for a bit. Done That's a bunch so of world nice. quests. About to finish my order hall stuff. I've been trying to get ready for heroic rating in it. Week. I'm at 822 now. I gotta be at 840. Item level. So, our druids are at. I'm at 103. I just hit 103 okay. by doing random stuff that I didn't intend to get to 103 yet. Okay. Doing. I'm close. So You're I, at 102. Yeah, so. it shouldn't be hard for me to catch up. To me, leveling in this expansion has been the quickest and easiest yet. 
And so, yeah, uh, let me think. I, uh, my Druid's Most 102. Most of my leveling has come from the app. <laughs> the WoW Legion app is amazing. I'm so happy they finally did this. We wanted it all last expansion. They didn't give it to us. Now we have this expansion. Yay, you can manage your follower quests and stuff. Go download the app if you're playing the expansion. Thanks for the ad. <laughs> you're welcome. Anyways. Yeah, I'm... I was a little bit mad when they announced that, not because it's like, wow, that's about an expansion too late. <laughs> it certainly would have been more helpful last expansion. Yes. Well, and here's the problem that I'm running into. Because there's the app, I now have my 102 Druid, my 101 Death Knight, my 101 Shaman, and my almost 101 Mage. So I don't know what I'm focusing on. Mm. That's what I was complaining about while you was away, Anna that there's almost too much stuff to do, which is a very first wow problem to have. It's a first wow problem. <laughs> it is a first wow problem. I love it. So, yeah, I mean, I've been really enjoying it. I got to carry around a Taran in a, a Taran baby in a basket on my back for a while. <laughs> and... Um, in Stormheim, you get a hook shot too. I don't know if you guys got what? there yet. No, I haven't yeah. gotten there yet. That sounds yes. amazing. Yes, you you get a hook shot. It's exactly a Zelda hook shot, and there are hooks on mountains and buildings and stuff, and that's how you can get around and find treasures. That's awesome. Which to me, which to me is a lovely alternative to no flying at the beginning. Yeah, I've I've only started doing that zone on my mage, and so my mage hasn't gotten very far yet. So, and um, it also behooves you to get the treasure in High Mountain. That's a kite because it's essentially a goblin glider. Yes, so I have part of that kite. I do not have the yeah, whole kite yet. Nice. It it is worth it because there's a lot of areas that it's um. You know, well, like that uh, main hub in High Mountain, it's easier to just jump down than to wait for the elevator. I use it all the time. The little kite. Okay, well, now we have, now we know what to do, Chris. We have to go get a kite? Yeah, we have to Let's go fly a kite. go fly a kite. No? Okay. Yeah, no, that is. No, all right. Um, um, have you guys started a demon hunter yet? I have one at 100, but I haven't done much with it. I haven't yet. I need to do that still. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because, yeah, no, that imp that story is very important. Mm. Don't don't skip it. Maybe that can be your thing to do today. Maybe. Yeah, it won't it, it won't take you very long. It took me a lot longer to get through it, but I was also screenshotting the heck out of the zones because um, a friend of mine wanted to like actually draw WoW scenery, and he doesn't play wow so he needed me to screenshot stuff for him gotcha but um i freaking love the demon i actually like the demon hunter starting zone better than the death knight one Ooh. i don't like and, the death um, knight starting zone and um chris make sure you download handy notes for the demon hunter starting zone because there's treasures treasures yeah and yes. they're missable do i really need them yeah because oh. otherwise you'll run you'll finish the zone missing like two pieces of good eye level equipment and a bag oh yeah the bag i forgot about 
Remember how I was running around and I said I couldn't see anything in the stupid webbing? I was looking for a bag. Yeah. Well, you were in the wrong area, too. Yeah. I was just having um, a lot of problems seeing there. I don't know how you guys feel about the treasures this time around or not. Um, I do appreciate that it seems like that they're more useful because it's all art artifact power. And, and it's randomized that, how good they are, which is very cool. Yeah. And junk that you can sell for uh, money. Yep. And get like a good chunk of money. Like I think I got 700 gold on a sell Whoa. once. Nice. Yeah. Um. The only sucky thing is that the one of the few things I liked about the Draenor treasures was that once you started, you could go seek out a couple of them immediately on a new alt and kind of get geared up right away. And that's kind of not the case here. No, that's true. Um, yeah. I do like how common the rare spawns are. Yes, that too. What so. does that mean, how common? They're just there. They're there all the time. And as soon as you kill them, they basically respawn. Okay. It's not like in Pandaria, where you might get one every four hours, and if someone gets there before you, tough noodles. Also, it's nice that uh, multiple people from the same faction can all tag a mob. It makes it so that you aren't competing in the same way that you used to within your own faction. Does that make sense when I say it that way? Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Because, yeah, I'll just be running around and I'll kind of, like, follow behind a person because they're doing cool stuff. The only sucky thing about that is that when multiple people tag a mob, the hit points increase. And my husband said that he's had a problem with people tagging it and then leaving, leaving. him to kill it. Yeah. yeah. That I don't do that because I find that super duper annoying. Yeah. No, I don't either. That's just something to be aware of. But it sounds like we're all very positive on this one. I've liked what I've played. I am enjoying what I've played. Yep. I've got hooked back in, which I figured would happen. I was kind of wanting to avoid. Sorry. Sorry. <sighs> all right. Does that mean we're done with what we've been playing? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Switch over here, then. Extra life! What? Extra life! Extra life. Extra life is coming up soon. Anna, tell the details. Um, so, extra life, once again this year, falls on a weekend that doesn't work for us because there's something going on locally. There's extra life. There's BlizzCon. And so we are declaring October 29th and 30th our extra life weekend. Um, we will be streaming from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Central each of those days. Um, hopefully our Internet will not take a giant puke like it did last year. Um, and it will be a lot more stable. So we will be um, streaming PC, PS4 for sure, and then other systems to be determined. Um, so this and is going to be, let's see, October 29th and 30th, right? So spend Halloween weekend together with us. Yay! Yes. And we will be doing an RPG cast during um, Extra Life, like we always do, which means we're going to have to set up Dark Souls so that Chris can die Dark repeatedly. Dark Souls 3. Yes, so that Chris can die repeatedly while he records. 
And I want you that to go to like extra, yeah, extra-life.org slash team slash RPGamer. You can either join our team or make a donation to someone on our team. And uh, yeah. And remember, I always have to make more money than Chris. It's very important that she makes more money than me. So help us out. Um, so as a quick note, um, the PS4 Slim and Pro were announced this week. Do we want to dive into this or is it a little bit too technical? No, no. Um, just the overview is that there's a Slim out now for 300 bucks and a Pro that's coming on November 10th for 400 So the Slim is smaller and quieter than the launch PS4 units. Mm -hmm. um, the Pro is going to have um, higher system specs. It is also going to be considerably quieter than the launch unit, although I don't find the launch unit that noisy myself. You don't play it much. Um, I stream off of it quite a bit. I don't find it very noisy either. Okay. See, I'm Nothing. not crazy. Nothing um, can match the noise of a Dreamcast. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Just Dreamcast. Sand. It's 15 yes. today. So um, the Pro will also support 4K TVs, and Pro games will be forward compatible. So all PS4 games will work on PS4s, PS4 Slims, and PS4 Pros. If you have a Pro, um, the developer can make the game nicer. If I'm they not have really a sold on it. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of on the fence. We need to sort of sit down and talk about how much it's going to cost and whether the site should buy one, blah, blah, blah. $400. But the thing is, it's not really going to, you're going to, there's no game that are going to be PS4 Pro only. And it's going to be kind of this quasi weird, custom-y, upscale 4K. And it's probably going to drop your frame rates. Right. Even and if they so, can do it. I mean, we're not hardcore PlayStation people. So we probably will not adopt on day one. I think we might. And the problem is... No, we're is... going to get it day one because Final Fantasy XV is supporting this and it's going to look beautiful in it and we want it to look beautiful. But is Final Fantasy XV... don't need a 4K TV. It's not going to look any It's going to look much better. What are you talking about? It's going to use better resolution textures and better... Uh, what are you talking about? Yes, it is going to look different. Yeah, out It's of the... like playing a game with a better GPU. It is. It does have a better GPU, but I'm not sure if it's. It's not going to be as good. It's not going to be like upgrading your PC. No, it, and PlayStation Nation agrees. The 4K TV is not mandatory to get the bump on the Pro. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I just. Uh, we'll uh, see. <laughs> I watched the I'm, videos. I I'm saw not, that it looks better even on 1080. I'm not wild about adopting day one so maybe we'll talk about it after the show i think if you already had a ps4 it's not i wouldn't be as if you didn't have a ps4 might as well get that one if you already have one i don't see the big as big of a need to upgrade it but i mean it's out there we'll ask glenn what he thinks of it when he plays it i mean how widely adopted is 4k yet ish ish okay and a lot of things between 1080 and 4K, you have to, uh, in order to tell a difference, there's going to be a certain distance from your TV and the size of your TV. So we're getting to that realm. If you if you have a, a decent sized TV that you sit kind of close to, you're probably not going to tell. If you have a smaller TV or TV that you sit further from, uh, sorry, closer you can tell, farther away you can't tell. So if you sit further away, like in the living room now, if you have a big monitor in front of your face and you're sitting next to it, then you can probably tell a bigger difference. Hmm. Along. So, 
there's been studies where when can the human eye actually determine and there's a certain distance and TV size, pixel size that uh, to where it's discernible or not. It also won't play 4K Blu-rays. That's weird. I don't understand that. The Xbox, Xbox One S will. Ooh. I don't think we're going to get a new Xbox. <sighs> no, we're going to wait for a Scorpio there. We don't have a 4K TV. Are we, why would we wait for a Scorpio? We don't play the one that we have. Uh, because that's where all the nice looking games will be. Uh-huh. But, okay, here you go, here you go. Uh, I'm going to show you something. Let's see. No, not that Go here. All right. Every here's the games that have been confirmed to be better looking on the PS4 Pro, and what that means depends on each game. So we're not going to get into details here, but uh, games that are being upgraded uh, with patches and stuff: Call of Duty, Black Ops 3, Deus Ex: Mankind Divided, Infamous: First Light, Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor, Uncharted 4: Thief's End, Elder Scrolls Online, Tamriel Unlimited, Last of Us Remastered, The Witness, and Paragon. So, I think we cover Shadow of Mordor and Deus Ex. Those are the two games that matter to our site there. Um, unreleased games, Battlefield 1, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered, Days Gone, Dishonored 2, Farpoint, which is a VR game, FIFA 17, Final Fantasy 15, For Honor, Ghost Recon Wildlands, Horizon Zero Dawn, Killing Floor 2, Mass Effect Andromeda, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Spider-Man, Steep, Titanfall 2, and Watch Dogs 2. So... Games there that matter to us, Final Fantasy XV, Horizon Zero Dawn, and uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, which <laughs> the idea that that game's coming out early next year when this was literally the first gameplay footage they've ever shown of it was from this press conference. I don't know if I believe that. By the way, Mass Effect footage, what'd you think, Jonathan? I haven't seen it. Oh, you didn't see it? What? Uh-uh. It, it looks like it. Mass Effect. It's, it's I've just been sucked sh- in the wow. <laughs> Um, so I went to the uh, the YouTube page for that video and, and cranked it up to 4K resolution even on my 1080p monitor just because I wanted the higher bitrate for the video. And um, it looks beautiful. Um, it is uh, the... It, it, but it's it's just... just They just showed a guy walking around a, a dungeon, essentially, looking at pretty things. So not really much shown as far as what that gameplay is. And then, like, at the end, there's some story game thing going on, or some story thing going on, and, and there's an Asari, and, and stuff happens, and it doesn't really explain anything. So, uh, whatever. Um, yeah. But Anna doesn't want a PS Pro. Well, the other thing about the PS4 Pro, I think it's more really what it is, is the upgrade they need for the VR. I yeah, I think that's going to be a big benefit to this one. Yeah, as if you're getting into the VR stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, better YouTube streaming on it, too, it looks like. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Whatever. So that's uh, that's uh, that's your thing. Um, the PS4 Pro is going to be slightly larger than the original PS4. It's actually getting bigger. Ooh, interesting. You have photos on Flickr. Okay. There's um, your PS Pro. 
Bandai Namco announced that it is um, pairing up with Behold Studios to bring Chroma Squad to console and handhelds. Yeah, you never played this. Yeah, because it's my ultimate dilemma. I'm sitting in front of the computer. I don't want to play a game. Huh? I, I like my console games. You play WoW in front of your computer. I know. So what are you talking about? Blizzard's games are kind of the exception. Okay. And I don't know why. Because right. I've tried playing lots of PC games, and I'm just like, ugh, I can't play this anymore. And for me, the PC is where I want to play all my games. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'd rather in my couch. Ah. Okay. Uh, next story. Uh, Necropolis is getting a big update. It's called the Brutal Update. They were showing it off at PAX. Um, we didn't get to see it. Um, walked by it a lot. Uh, it is a... They're let's see what are they doing? They claim this is all like taking effect all the negative feedback they've gotten post release and like they're making it better. Um, so this is going to be they're adding a new playable class, the brute, a new outdoor environment, the black forest, new enemy types, additional traps, more level variety, more items, improved AI, and they put up a new trailer that shows it. It's a free update if you've already bought Necropolis, um, and the game was uh, put on sale for a few more days on Steam if you uh, want to jump in now that this update's out. So Koei Tecmo had sort of this weird press release announcement where they revealed their games for the Tokyo Game Show. Yeah. Including which games are coming to North America. Ooh, cool. So they announced uh, Toikoden 2, Atelier Furis, and Knights of Azure 2. Toikoden 2 will be released in early 2017. The other two don't have release dates. And the thing that makes me really pissed off about this is we still haven't heard about Shally Plus. Oh. Which to me means it's not happening. So I'm kind So you're of just hoping pissed. for a Vita version of Shally? Still? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Maybe you should just give up and play on the console. <sighs> you can play it on your PS Pro. Yeah, next time, no. Next time it's on sale, someone hit me up so that I know it's on sale so I can buy it. So when do I pre-order a PS4 Pro? Um, not right now. How about you talk about Neptune versus Sega Hard Girls? Okay, hold on. Chris! What? Stop pre-ordering something! What are you talking about? Read the story. No, no, I got, I got to click a button. Chris! Hi. What are we doing? Schedule delivery. Oh, those... <laughs> what? They're going to set up a delivery time. Oh, she's going to throw a spoon at me. Wife aggro. She literally threw an oatmeal container at me, but it's okay. It's okay, everybody. The spoon's next. <laughs> it's all right. I've already pre-ordered. Damn good. it! <laughs> I don't know why, but it says the delivery has been scheduled with the carrier for some time. The carrier will call you before the delivery. That is really weird. Okay. Um, did I buy this from like the black market? Did you? Where the hell did you buy it from? Amazon. I don't know. Did it's you like, buy it from a third party? No. Did you get Prime? Yeah. Then it says free shipping for Prime, and the carrier's gonna call you and arrange, make an arrangement. Maybe it's a like counseling session for my wife to let her deal with the fact that I gotta find a place to sell the old one. I bet you. You think GameStop will have a trade-in program? I would imagine so. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. 
Oh, uh, she wants uh, ne- Neptune versus Sega Girl Hard Girls has a limited edition. I love talk covering limited editions. If for no other reason than it makes my wife stop throwing things at me. Um, <laughs> if you go on, uh, go to Ify's online store. What is Ify? Idea Factory. Oh. Where do you, where is their online store? Oh, Ify uh, online store. Iffy. It's called ifyonlinestore.com. All right. Yeah. If you go there, they have the Nept- Neptune, not Neptunia, Neptune versus Sega Hard Girls. Uh, you, you've got a limited edition. Here's what you get. Here's what you get. You get the Super Dimension Neptune versus Sega Girl Hard Girls Super Hard Girls for the Vita. So it's a Vita game, Anna. Yay. You get the PS Vita skin. Well, what's the skin look like? Oh, yeah. It looks pretty, and it integrates with like a theme or with the title screen or something like that. They've got something showing off on the screen that kind of lines up with the skin. They've got the Ify's Chuni pillowcase. So I don't see that in the picture. Oh, there it is, back there. So you put a pillow in this pillowcase. It doesn't come with the pillow, though. Official art I book. Take it, yeah? I take it the pillow is the chick. It is a chick, and it, but it doesn't look disgusting or like something you should be like immediately ashamed of owning. So it's not one <laughs> of those style of pillows. Um, so, all right. You get an art book. You get a soundtrack CD. You get a reversible cover sleeve. And a collector's box with a slip cover to put your... So, wait. If, then if you put that in the box, then it doesn't matter if you have a reversible sleeve and the... Well, whatever. Um, yeah, there you go. And uh, you see a lot of girls' legs on this box art. So a lot of legs showing. There you go. Sega. Anna, what did we learn about Pokemon this week? Um, so there was a new update. Mm-hmm. Um, they announced some new Pokemon. Um, so... Um, they they announced a new type, so null. Um, sorry, let me rephrase that. Type null is a new type of Pokemon. It's a normal type, and it adapts to copy strengths of the Pokemon around it. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. So it's part of Team Skull. Um, they also introduced a dragon type, a Jangmu. Jangmo-o? Jangmo-o? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it likes to live in harsh locations so that it can train all the time. Um, they also showed off the Alola um, Raticate. And like the Alola Rattata, it's dark and normal. Um, they also showed off a new... Well, they also, quote-unquote, showed off. They discussed the rumors of Ultra Beasts. Um, these are referred to by code names such as UB01. UB01 has a body made up of glass-like material and constantly changes shapes. It might be a young girl. Um, they also talked about the Ether Foundation. This organization is dedicated to research with a stated goal of caring for and sheltering hurt Pokemon. So they actually live on Ether Paradise, which is an artificial island that they created. Um, they look like villains. No, I don't know, because there's skull people. Oh, look at this dude. He looks like a villain. Which one? The dude with the green glasses. No, that's the guy who heads the Ether Foundation. Then he's definitely a villain. <sighs> it's a front. Did you Anna. see the scary Snorlax? There's no. a scary Snorlax? Yes, the uh, Snorlax gets the some 
this move called Pancake Pound. Oh, yeah, we've seen that. Yes. Yeah. So that that's its X move. Stitches. Yeah, that's his X move. That yeah. whole animation sequence had me laughing my ass off. So, and apparently you'll get a Munchlax super easily in the game so that you can get to Snorlax faster. Works for me. Um... So there's also an in-game time mechanic. Yeah. Um, but sun and moon operate at different times. What? So sun operates on your um, systems time, whereas moon operates on your system time plus 12 hours. What? Some people were annoyed by that. Yeah, that's interesting. But I would imagine that if you're that annoyed by it, you can always just set your clock to what or, you want. Or right. you could buy the other one. Right. So there was also a Japanese trailer that kind of showed off a bunch of little random stuff, which we have in a news story if you want to check it out. Um, game is still on track for November 19th in North America and November 23rd in Europe. It's already out in Japan? No. When's it come out there? Yeah, worldwide. Worldwide release. Worldwide release. Pokemon. So yeah, it's like uh, everywhere gets it sort of that week-ish. Cool. Are you going to choose a Popplio? I don't know. What are you going to pick, Anna? I don't know. All right. Are you thinking Probably sun or moon? Cat. I don't know. We haven't decided that yet. I thought you wanted the sun thing because you didn't want the bat. Mm, I would prefer the, the big tiger, yeah. But, I mean, is the time thing going to annoy you? Cause no, it's, it's gonna probably going to make less. it so I can actually play at uh, the times that I actually play and be able to do things. Okay. Isn't moon for people play at night and sun it for people play during the day? Yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to work out perfectly. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, oh, Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll is getting Persona 5 anime. I just want to let you know that. The Daybreakers. the Daybreakers. So Daybreakers is a prequel. It's already prequel. happening. Yeah. So Daybreakers is a prequel to the game. So there's no spoilers involved. Okay. Um, and also, as part of the PlayStation um, 4 Slim announcement, they announced a PlayStation 4 Slim Persona 5 bundle in Japan. Mm. And um, John's already said that it's not happening for North America. No. Sorry. Who's John? John Harden? Yeah. Okay. Atlas dude. Atlas PR guy. Uh, let's see. The level 5 CEO made some comments about Nino Kuni 2, saying that the scale is apparently gotten very massive in that game, and they're still keeping an audience in mind. So let's see. How does this work? Um, let's see. The previous title was a game that parent and child could play together. What about this one? It'll be a game you can play normally on your own. Looking back at the previous game with the protagonist and setting in mind, its content was very much geared towards adult, but the visuals did look a bit like it was for kids. It may have looked too much like it was for kids, and while we may have another young boy as a protagonist this time around, we're being careful so that we can make it into something that will completely feel like it can be played by adults. As far as the world and setting goes, it'll be something that both adults and children could get into, just like a Studio Ghibli anime. So, that's cool. Um, I really like the first game. Yeah, I should play it. I... We have the book. <laughs> you should play it. Yes. So if you're excited for SMT4 Apocalypse, that's you, Anna. 
and Kelly. Ooh. There's going to be a new theme for the Nintendo 3S coming out uh, September 15th. Has all yeah. the character has all the new characters from Apocalypse on it. And then of course the game's coming so out. So 5 days from now you can just go download the theme. It'll be they don't have a lot of free themes on that theme store. No. So this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. It can join the Sonic theme as as a free theme. <laughs> and of course the game itself comes out September 20th. Yeah. Chrono Trigger and Xenogears Writer, one of that that I think it was a husband and wife pair, but I don't remember the details. But um, Masato Kato, one of the writers for Chrono Trigger and Xenogears, they've announced a smartphone RPG called Another Eden, the cat who goes beyond time. What is it with this person and having cats that time travel? Mm. Really into that. Mm. Yeah. Um, they announced it last year at TGS, and uh, the game's getting a six-hour broadcast at TGS 2016. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so the, the, they're going to cover everything. It's a six-hour live stream starting at 11 a.m. Japan Standard Time on September 17th. It'll be viewable on Nico Nico Live. And hopefully we'll get some sort of coverage of it on our site after we know more and get it translated. So um, they'll be talking about the gameplay commentary, graphics, scenario, sound, character voices, and uh, reveal the game systems. Um, and then we'll find out it's some sort of crappy match three puzzle game that's free to play and meant to get all your money out of you. And then we'll be really sad because, you know, that's how smartphone RPGs work, right? Yep. All right. Quickly, we have um, a release date. OK, for... we have to make fun of Alex. Oh, OK. What is it? Um, because this story for the Metronomicon, which is a rhythm game RPG mashup, mm-hmm. it says it now has a release date, mm-hmm. but it doesn't actually say what the release date is anywhere in the Oh, story. really? Oh, cool. The Metronom... We have to make fun of Alex, but more importantly, we have to make fun of whoever proofed that. <laughs> so, September 29th. September 29th. All right, good. Um... You got your glow sticks in my chain mail. You got your fireballs in my dubstep. What is this? I hadn't really heard of this before. Um, it's like you fight on a dance floor, and it's DDR-style moves, it looks like. Anna, we're going to have to look at this when it comes out. Okay, follow. All right, so there's uh, there's Metronomicon, September now, 29th for 20 bucks. There is another story that we put up that does have a release date. Oh, yeah? Exceeds game, exceeds game, exceed games is putting out Toho the Scarlet Curiosity on September twentieth, twenty sixteen, for PS four. That is the the Dojin shmup thing, right? Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's see. Sword Art Online got a release date of November eighteenth for PS four and Vita in North America and Europe. Um, Dungeon Rushers has left early access and now it's now fully released. It's a turn based combat dungeon crawler. Um, uh, yeah, it's kind of like, um, the game we saw at PAX. Uh, it's kind of like Rogue Knights? Yeah, Rogue sort of. But sort it's more party-based. It's, yeah, it looks more zoomed out and stuff. Yep. Um, and, um, Tahira Echoes of the Astral Empire, which was a kickstarted tactical RPG, is now out for PC, Max, and Linux. Why haven't you bought this, Anna? Um, it's a PC game? But it's a tactical RPG. I know. I wish it was on a portable system. Very simple art style. Yep. I wonder if it's your thing. I don't know. I'd have to watch the trailer. It's very trailer. mundane looking. Oh, yeah, there is a trailer. Yep. Um, speaking, speaking of, of trailers. <laughs> World of Final Fantasy. Trailer. Occupus Beat. Trailer. Kingdom Come Deliverance Weapons vs. Armor. Trailer. Crim- Criminal Girls 2. 
prawn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Porn. <laughs> Final Fantasy 15. Trailer. For, for like ever. It's a 60 minute presentation what or something. The hell? It's their PAX presentation. Oh, okay. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn 4K. Trailer. Mass Effect 4K. Trailer. Zenith. Trailer. Uh, and more Akaba's Treat. Beat, rather. <sighs> I want Akaba's Treat now. That'd be tasty. <laughs> And then finally, A Hand of Fate 2. Trailer. Uh, we got no feedback this week, probably because we've been so inconsistent lately. So I want to invite you guys to get back in the habit of commenting on the show. You can do that by three ways. Podcast at rpgamer.com. Go to the forums.rpgamer.com and uh, post on the message board thread there. Don't be leaving yet, Anna. We're almost done. I know. Okay. And then uh, 608-729-4098 is the phone number. Um, with that, I want to jump into the new releases for the week, and then we'll uh, get some impressions of what people are going to be playing, and we'll wrap this thing up. Man, we've been going for a while. Um, this week, um, let's see, in date release order this time, Inferno Climber comes out to Windows, Toxic with two Ks comes to Windows, Jotun Valhalla Edition on Wii U, and, uh, and Xbox One and PS4, King Oddball, on Xbox One. Stardust Galaxy Warriors Stellar Climax. Good name. Xbox One and PS4. Elder Scrolls Online Gold Edition for Xbox One and PS4. Ironfish on PC. Bioshock The Collection on Xbox One, PS4, and PC. Dead Rising hits Xbox One, PS4, PC. Dead Rising 2 hits Xbox One and PS4. Dead Rising 2 Off the Record hits Xbox One and PS4. Don't Starve Together comes to PS4. That's the co-op Don't Starve. I wonder if Anna and I should play that. Um, Make you M E I Q Labyrinth of Death comes to Vita. Um, Labyrinth, that sounds like a game we should cover. So let's see. Make you Labyrinth. Of I think Death. it was a first-person dungeon crawler. Oh, so we probably do cover it. <laughs> um, so I don't know if we got a review coming on that. Let's see if we can try and get some info for you on that one. Uh, looks like a very cutesy dungeon crawler. Um, yeah. Well. Uh, Mystery Chronicle One Way Heroics hits PC. NASCAR Heat Cro Evolution on Xbox One, PS4, and PC. Never Ending Night on PC. NHL 17 on Xbox One and PS4. Pac Man Championship Edition 2 hits Xbox One, PS4, PC. Psycho Pass Mandatory Happiness on PS4 and Vita. Pro Evolution Soccer 2017 on Xbox One, PS4, PS3, 360, and PC. Recore is coming to the Xbox One and PC. Rive hits Xbox One, PS4, Wii U, and PC. Can I be... I'm just very happy. We're seeing, like, actual Xbox One games now. It's, like, amazing. Um, Slain, Back from Hell on PS4. <laughs> okay, so much for that Xbox One stuff. Um, Avedon 3, The Warborn on Windows and Macintosh. The Witness on Xbox One. Conga Master on PC. Event Zero on PC and Mac. The Bunker on Windows, PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Sorcery Part 4 finally comes out. The Crown of Kings, PC, Mac, iOS, and Android. Very good mobile game. Choose your own adventure type thing. Um, uh, not kind of like the one we described earlier from PAX. Um, this one's more of a... Uh, actually, I guess it is a lot like that. But I like the way the map and stuff works in this one. You know, go check out Sorcery as well. <laughs> if you like that Tunnel and Trolls thing we described earlier, you'll probably like Sorcery. Persona 5 comes to Japan this week on PS3 and PS4. Dragon Quest. Yeah, I know. Dragon Quest 7 Fragments of the Forgotten Past comes out here finally on 3DS, so that's what we get. Um, they've already had that yeah, for a while. <laughs> Adrift with a 1 in it comes to Xbox One. That's the one where you're in the, a space person and 
things blow up and you have to float around getting oxygen. Dragon Quest Seven. Oh, I already mentioned that. And then Valkyrie Drive Beak Huni comes to PlayStation Vita. Whatever that is. I don't remember what that is. Um, Beak Huni. Let's see. Valkyrie Drive Beak Huni is... Oh, yeah. Well, what do you know? A lot of, a lot of boob on that t- game. Let's see. Uh... Oh, wait. That's been delayed. So never mind. It's been delayed to October 11th, so forget that. Um, so what? I, I don't know what's going on with that Valkyrie Drive. So not coming out this week. Take that back. That's what I get for going with Wikipedia. All right, and that's our new releases for the week. I have questions for you. First, I want to thank everyone for being on, Kelly and Jonathan and Anna Marie and you for listening, and Dale North for doing our theme music, Kelly for doing our artwork. Kelly, what are you going to play this week? Um, definitely more WoW. Um... And then Dragon Quest comes out Friday? No, too soon. Is it Friday? It's like the 15th or 16th. So yeah, it's Friday. Yeah. yeah. Must be Friday. Yeah, so when that hits my house, I will be playing that. Sounds good. Jonathan, what are you playing? More Madden? Probably more WoW and Madden. WoW and Madden. Madden. WoW Madden. Um, Story of my gaming life. (laughs) Anna Marie? More hours into those two than anything else. Um, Ace Attorney is my big one, and then some WoW. Alrighty. Um, I'll be playing WoW and probably more of this Halcyon 6. Um, maybe some other indie games. Get some more impressions for you guys for, for future weeks. Um, yeah. Uh, actually, I should be putting more time into Deus Ex. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Probably none of that stuff. I'll be focusing on taking care of my sick kitties and stuff. But, you know, that Aww. which has to happen has to happen. Um, alright. Man, gaming. It's back. All Yay! the things are happening. It's all the things are happening. All the things are coming out. It's that time of year. Madden hits, so games just go crazy, and we have no more time. So, And then next year we'll be like, oh, man, that was crazy. What's happening this year? Nothing. And then, then it'll happen again. And then the next year we'll say that all again. And so forth. And so forth. It's <sighs> feast or famine. I choose to Feast. Guess uh, I guess we're done. All right, we out for the week. We'll catch you next time, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya. Nine a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. slash live or twitch.tv slash rpgamer. See ya. Bye bye. Bye bye.